Hello. Tonight I'm going to be talking about physical death. Physical death is the spiritual of the spiritual from the mortal body. Uh, the the fallen Adam brought physical death into the world. Messiah six forty eight six forty eight says, and he. He said unto them, Because that Adam fell, we all fall, we all Adam fall, we all and 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 he and and by his fall come death, and we made take it of the minister ministry and woe. Because of the atonement resurrection of Jesus Christ. All mankind will be resurrected and redeemed from physical death. Death is a central part of Heavenly Father's plan of salvation. Signified nine sixes in the Book of Mormon. For all death hath passed upon all men to fulfill the merciful plan of the great Creator. There must needs be a power of the resurrection, and the resurrection must needs come upon man by resurrection of the fall, and the fall come by the resurrection of the transgression, and become man, because man become became fallen, they were cut off the presence of the Lord. In order to become like our eternal Father, we must accept death and later receive perfect resurrection body. When the physical body dies, the spirit comes to, to live in the spirit world. The spirit of the resurrection righteous are received into the state of happiness, which is called paradise, and a state of rest. A state of peace where they shall raise from all their troubles and, and from all care and sorrow. And Alma 40.12 is in the Book of Mormon as well. And then shall it come to pass that the spirit of those who are righteous are received into a state of happiness, which is called paradise, and a state of rest, and a state of peace, where they shall rest from all their troubles and from all cares and sorrows. A place a place. Sorry, a place is called a spirit prison is received from those who have died in their sins without knowledge of truth and their transgression, have rejected the prophet. Dr. Covenants one thirty thirty two says Thus Thus was the gospel preached to those who had died in their sins without a knowledge of their truth. All transgression have rejected the prophets. The spirit in prison are taught faith in God, repentance from sin, virgin ba- uh, virtuous baptism from the remission of sin, and the gift of the Holy Ghost by the laying of hands, and all the gift of the Holy Ghost by uh, all the other principles of the gospel that are necessary for them to know. Dr. Covenants 138-33-34 says, These were taught faith in God, repentance from sin, victories, 
victories, baptism from the remission of sin, the gift of the Holy Ghost by laying of hands and other and all other principles of the gospel that are necessary for them to know the inordinance to qualify themselves, that they might be in judge according to man in the flesh by live live according to live according to God in the spirit. If they accept the principle of the gospel, repent of their sins and accept. Sorry, uh, the repenter handed for the spirit prince uh, taught faith and repentance from the virtue of baptism, remission of also. Oh, if they accept the principle of the gospel, repent of their sins, accept ordinance performed in their behalf in the temple, they will be welcomed into paradise. And, and because of the torment and resurrection of Jesus Christ, physical death and only temple as Adam all die, even so in Christ, shall be made alive. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says... For as Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Everyone be resurrected, mean, meaning that every person's spirit will be remain with his her, her body, returned to their prepare and perfect frame, no longer subject to death. Alma 40.23 says, the soul shall be restored to the body, and the body to the soul. Yea, every limb and joint shall be restored to its body. Yea, every hair of the head shall not be loose, but the things shall be restored. Things shall be restored to their proper and perfect frame. Alma eleven forty four and forty five says, "Now the restore shall come into both old, young, and both." Old, young, both bond and free, both male and female, both wicked and righteous, even though shall not into righteous, even though shall not much the hair of their hand be lost, but every that shall be restored to its perfect frame, as it's now or in the body shall be brought at the range before the of Christ, the Son of God, the Father and the Holy Ghost which is the eternal God, to be judged according to their works, whether they be good or whether they be evil. Now, behold, I have spoken unto you concerning the death of the mortal body, and also concerning the resurrection of the mortal body. I say unto you, the mortal body is restored to the many body, that the frame death, even from the de first death, unto the life death, that can no die, mother return with die, mother than spirit, divided the whole spirit, and immortal, that they cannot no more in comprehension.
Everybody, ha everybody has to die. What just said, I'm no. During this time, everybody died in this COVID-19, but it's even young die, even kids. You saw everybody died in the COVID-19. It's part of the plan. I know COVID-19 happened. People died. But it's part of the plan. Um, Adam and Eve, they had to take the food. That was part of the plan. That's the plan. And when Adam, when Eve took the first fruit, she gave him the mortal body. And then when Adam took the fruit, he gave him a mortal body and they died. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he gained the body that he resurrected on the third day. He resurrected, that we resurrected one day too. We don't know when, but we will resurrected one day. Um, it's just amazing that that's part of the plan. We have to die. I know it's sad, but it has that has to happen. Um, this is a video by Wilson Nelson. Those, uh, those of death by President Wilson and Nelson. This morning, Elder Boyd K. Packer spoke of the fountains of life. This afternoon, I should like to speak of the doors of death. Both are crucial components of life. Recently, at the funeral of a friend, I visited with two distinguished brothers, former surgical colleagues of mine, whose lovely companions had both passed away. They said they were going through the most difficult period of their lives, adjusting to the almost unbearable loss of their partners. These wonderful men then told of their cooking breakfast for each other once a week, sharing that rotation with their sister, trying to lessen their loneliness imposed by the doors of death. Death separates the spirit and the body, which are the soul of man. That separation evokes pangs of sorrow and shock among those left behind. The hurt is real, only its intensity varies. Some doors are heavier than others. The sense of tragedy may be related to age. Generally, the younger the victim, the greater the grief. Yet even when the elderly or infirm have been afforded merciful relief, their loved ones are rarely ready to let go. The only length of life that seems to satisfy the longings of the human heart is life everlasting. Irrespective of age, we mourn for those loved and lost. Mourning is one of the deepest expressions of pure love. It is a natural response in complete accord with divine commandment, thou shalt live together in love insomuch that thou shalt weep for the loss of them that die. Moreover, we can't fully appreciate joyful reunions later without tearful separations now. The only way to take sorrow out of death is to take love out of life. Eternal perspective provides peace which passeth all understanding. In speaking at a funeral of a loved one, the prophet Joseph Smith offered this admonition. When we lose a near and dear friend upon whom we have set our hearts, it should be a caution unto us. Our affection should be placed upon God and his work more intensely than upon our fellow beings. Life does not begin with birth, nor does it end with death.
Prior to our birth, we dwelled as spirit children with our Father in heaven. There, we eagerly anticipated the possibility of coming to earth and obtaining a physical body. Knowingly, we wanted the risks of mortality, which would allow the exercise of agency and accountability. This life was to become a probationary state, a time to prepare to meet God. But we regarded the returning home as the best part of that long-awaited trip, just as we do now. Before embarking on any journey, we like to have some assurance of a round-trip ticket. Returning from Earth to life in our heavenly home requires passage through and not around the doors of death. We were born to die, and we die to live. As seedlings of God, we barely blossom on Earth. We fully flower in heaven. The writer of Ecclesiastes said, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. Think of the alternative. If all 69 billion people who have ever lived on earth were still here, imagine the traffic jam. <laughs> and we could own virtually nothing scarcely make any responsible decisions. Scriptures teach that death is essential to happiness. Now behold, it was not expedient that man should be reclaimed from this temporal death, for that would destroy the great plan of happiness. Our limited perspective would be enlarged if we could witness the reunion on the other side of the veil when doors of death opened to those returning home. Such was the vision of the psalmist who wrote, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. But there is another type of separation known in Scripture as spiritual death. It is defined as the state of spiritual alienation from God. Thus, one can be very much alive physically, but dead spiritually. Spiritual death is more likely when goals are unbalanced, toward things physical. Paul explained this concept to the Romans. If ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. If physical death should strike before moral wrongs have been made right, opportunity for repentance will have been forfeited. Thus, the real sting of death is sin. Even the Savior cannot save us in our sins. He will redeem us from our sins, but only upon condition of our repentance. We are responsible for our own spiritual survival or death. Physical and spiritual trials provide continuing challenges in life. Each of you could provide illustrations from personal experience. Many of you, for instance, are at the twilight of life and endure long and difficult days. You know well the meaning of that divine injunction to endure to the end. The Savior of the world repeatedly asked that we pattern our lives after his, so we must endure trials as did he. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. When hardship heaps its heavy load upon us, good may yet be gleaned. Shakespeare so wrote, 
Sweet are the uses of adversity, which, like the toad, ugly and venomous, wears yet a precious jewel in his head. The Lord's expression is even more explicit. After much tribulation come the blessings. Mortality, temporary as it is, is terminated by the doors of death. Questions then come to searching minds of those left behind. Where is my loved one now? What happens after death? While many questions cannot fully be answered with available knowledge, much is known. The first station in post-mortal life is named paradise. Alma wrote, Concerning the state of the soul between death and the resurrection, behold, it has been made known unto me that the spirits of all men, as soon as they are departed from this mortal body, are taken home to that God who gave them life. The spirits of those who are righteous are received into a state of happiness which is called paradise, a state of rest, a state of peace. Some facetiously state that nothing is as permanent as death. Not so. The grip of physical death is temporary. It began with the fall of Adam. It ended with the atonement of Jesus the Christ. The waiting period in paradise is temporary too. It ends with the resurrection. From the Book of Mormon, we learn that the paradise of God must deliver up the spirits of the righteous, and the grave deliver up the body of the righteous, and the spirit and the body is restored to itself again, and all men become incorruptible and immortal, and they are living souls. A few years ago, our stake president and his wife had a wonderful son taken in his youthful prime because of an automobile accident. We are consoled by the knowledge that the very laws that could not allow his broken body to survive here are the same eternal laws which the Lord will employ at the time of the resurrection when that body shall be restored to its proper and perfect frame. The Lord who created us in the first place surely has power to do it again. The same necessary elements now in our bodies will still be available at his command. The same unique genetic code now embedded in each of our living cells will still be available to format new ones then. The miracle of the resurrection, wondrous as it will be, is marvelously matched by the miracle of our creation in the first place. Our resurrection will not be an end, but a new beginning. It will prepare us for judgment by the Lord, who said, As I have been lifted up upon the cross by men, even so should men be lifted up by the Father to stand before me to be judged of their works. Even before we approach that threshold of the eternal court of justice, we know who will personally preside. The keeper of the gate is the Holy One of Israel, and he employeth no servant there. And there is none other way save it be by the gate, for he cannot be deceived. For the Lord God is his name, and whoso knocketh to him will he open. 
Loving relationships continue beyond the doors of death and judgment. Family ties endure because of ceilings in the temple. Their importance cannot be overstated. I remember vividly an experience I had as a passenger in a small two-propeller airplane. One of its engines suddenly burst open and caught on fire. The propeller of the flaming engine was starkly stilled. As we plummeted in a steep spiral dive down toward the earth, I expected to die. Some of the passengers screamed in hysterical panic. Miraculously, the precipitous dive extinguished the flames. Then by starting up the other engine, the pilot was able to stabilize the plane and bring us down safely. Throughout that ordeal, though I knew death was coming, my paramount feeling was that I was not afraid to die. I remember a sense of returning home to meet ancestors for whom I had done temple work. I remember my deep sense of gratitude that my sweetheart and I had been sealed eternally to each other and to our children born and reared in the covenant. I realized that our marriage in the temple was my most important accomplishment. Honors bestowed upon me by men could not approach the inner peace provided by sealings performed in the house of the Lord. That harrowing experience consumed but a few minutes, yet my entire life flashed before my mind. Having had such rapid recall when facing death, I do not doubt the scriptural promise of perfect remembrance when facing judgment. After judgment comes the possibility of eternal life, the kind of life that our Heavenly Father lives. His celestial realm has been compared with the glory of the sun. It is available to all who prepare for it, the requirements of which have been clearly revealed. Ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope and the love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end. Behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. Meanwhile, we who tarry here have a few precious moments remaining to prepare to meet God. Unfinished business is our worst business. Perpetual procrastination must yield to perceptive preparation. Today we have a little more time to bless others, time to be kinder, more compassionate, quicker to thank and slower to scold, more generous in sharing, more gracious in caring. Then, when our turn comes to pass through the doors of death, we can say as did Paul, the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. We need not look upon death as an enemy. With full understanding and preparation, faith supplants fear. Hope displaces despair. The Lord said, Fear not even unto death, for in this world your joy is not full, but in me your joy is full. He bestowed this gift 
Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. As a special witness of Jesus Christ, I testify that he lives. I also testify that the veil of death is very thin. I know by experiences too sacred to relate that those who have gone before are not strangers to the leaders of this church. To us and to you, our loved ones may be just as close as the next room, separated only by the doors of death. With that assurance, brothers and sisters, love life. Cherish each moment as a blessing from God. Live it well, even to your loftiest potential. Then the anticipation of death shall not hold you hostage. With the help of the Lord, your deeds and desires will qualify you to receive everlasting joy, glory, immortality, and eternal lives. For this I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This next one is called The Dead The Dead Who Dies Die in the Lord by Ella Bruce O. McConkey. <clears throat> I shall speak of a subject. Physical death has to happen. Because if it doesn't, it's not going to... We have to die. I shall speak of a subject which strikes dread, even terror, into the hearts of most men. It is something we fear, of which we are sorely afraid, and from which most of us would flee if we could. I shall speak of the passing of the immortal soul into the eternal realms ahead, of that dread day when we shall shuffle off this mortal coil and go back to the dust from whence we came. I shall speak of death, mortal death, the natural death, the death of the body, and of the state of the souls of men when this final consummation is imposed upon them. Manifestly, we must all be guided and enlightened by the power of the Holy Spirit as we step into this realm. 
this realm of which carnal men know so little, but of which so much has been revealed to the saints of the Most High. I pray that my words, spoken by the power of the Holy Ghost, shall sink deeply into your hearts by the power of that same Spirit, so that you will know of their truth and verity. For a text, I take these sweet and consoling words of biblical origin. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. To them I append Paul's pointed and painful pronouncement, The sting of death is sin. Death can be comforting and sweet and precious, or it can be thrust upon, uh, can thrust upon us all the agonies and sulfurous burnings of an endless hell. And we, each of us individually, make the choice as to which it shall be. If we are to place death in its proper perspective in the eternal scheme of things, we must learn first the purposes of life. We must know whence we came, whose we are, and why he placed us here. Only then can we envision whither we shall yet go in the providences of him who made us. We know, because the Lord has revealed it in this our day, that we are the spirit children of an exalted, glorified being, a holy man who has a body of flesh and bones and who is our Father in heaven. We know that the name of the kind of life he lives is eternal life and that it consists of living in the family unit and of possessing all power, all might, and all dominion. We know that he ordained and established the plan of salvation to enable us to advance and progress from our spirit state to the same state of glory, honor, and exaltation which he himself possesses. We know that the Father's plan called for the creation of this earth, where we could dwell as mortals, receive bodies made of the dust of the earth, and undergo the tests and trials which now face us. We know that this plan of salvation included provisions for the fall of man with its consequent temporal and spiritual death, for a redemption from death through the atoning sacrifice of the Son of God, and for an inheritance of eternal life for all the obedient. We know that this great plan of progression called for a birth which would provide a mortal tabernacle for our eternal spirits and for a death which would free those spirits from the frailties, diseases, and weaknesses of mortality. And may I say that this life was never intended to be easy. It is a probationary estate in which we are tested physically, mentally, morally, and spiritually. We are subject to disease and decay. We are attacked by cancer, leprosy, and contagious diseases. We suffer pain and sorrow and afflictions. Disasters strike, floods sweep away our homes, famines destroy our food, plagues and wars fill our graves with dead bodies and our broken homes with sorrows. We are called upon to choose between the revealed word of God and the soul-destroying postulates of the theoretical sciences. Temptations, the lusts of the flesh, evils of every sort, 
All these are part of the plan and must be faced by every person privileged to undergo the experiences of mortality. The testing processes of mortality are for all men, saints and sinners alike. Sometimes the tests and trials of those who have received the gospel far exceed any imposed upon worldly people. Abraham was called upon to sacrifice his only son. Lehi and his their lands and wealth to live in a wilderness. Saints in all ages have been commanded to lay all that they have upon the earth. Abraham was called upon to sacrifice his only son. Lehi and his family left their lands and wealth to live in a wilderness. Saints in all ages have been commanded to lay all that they have upon the altar, sometimes even their very lives. As to the individual trials and problems that befall any of us, all we need say is that in the wisdom of him who knoweth all things and who does all things well, all of us are given the particular and specific tests that we need in our personal situations. It is to us, his saints, that the Lord speaks when he says, I will prove you in all things, whether you will abide in my covenant even unto death, that you may be found worthy. For if ye will not abide in my covenant, ye are not worthy of me. Now what of death? of the passing of loved ones, of our life beyond the grave. Our scriptures say, Death hath passed upon all men to fulfill the merciful plan of the great Creator. Where the true saints are concerned, there is no sorrow in death, except that which attends a temporary separation from loved ones. Birth and death are both essential steps in the unfolding drama of eternity. We shouted for joy at the privilege of becoming mortal because without the tests of mortality, there could be no eternal life. We now sing praises to the great Redeemer for the privilege of passing from this life because without death and the resurrection, we could not be raised in immortal glory and gain eternal life. When the faithful saints depart from this life, they are received into a state of happiness, which is called paradise, a state of rest, a state of peace, where they shall rest from all their troubles and from all care and sorrow. And they remain in this state until the day of their resurrection. When the wicked and ungodly depart from this life, they continue in their wickedness and rebellion. That same spirit which doth possess your bodies at the time ye go out of this life, the scripture says, that same spirit will have power to possess your body in that eternal world. Ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, Nephi said to members of the church, having a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. 
That is to say, all the faithful saints, all of those who have endured to the end, depart this life with the absolute guarantee of eternal life. There is no equivocation, no doubt, no uncertainty in our minds. Those who have been true and faithful in this life will not fall by the wayside in the life to come. If they keep their covenants here and now and depart this life firm and true in the testimony of our blessed Lord, they shall come forth with an inheritance of eternal life. We do not mean to say that those who die in the Lord and who are true and faithful in this life must be perfect in all things when they go into the next sphere of existence. There was only one perfect man, the Lord Jesus, whose father was God. There have been many righteous souls who have attained relative degrees of perfection, and there have been great hosts of faithful people who have kept the faith and lived the law and departed this life with the full assurance of an eventual inheritance of eternal life. There are many things that they will do and must do even beyond the grave to merit the fullness of the Father's kingdom in that glorious day when the great King shall say unto them, Come, ye blessed of my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. But what we are saying is that when the saints of God chart a course of righteousness, when they gain sure testimonies of the truth and divinity of the Lord's work, when they keep the commandments, when they overcome the world, when they put first in their lives the things of God's kingdom, when they do all these things and then depart this life, though they have not yet become perfect, they shall nonetheless gain eternal life in our Father's kingdom, and eventually they shall be perfect, as God their Father and Christ his Son are perfect. Is it any wonder that the scriptures say, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Truly such is precious, wondrous, and glorious. For when the saints die, added souls have assured themselves of exaltation with him who provided the way for them to advance and become like him. Is it any wonder that the scriptures say, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord, for they shall rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Truly, it is a blessed occasion, for the faithful saints have filled the full measure of their creation, and a gracious God will give them all things in due course. Is it any wonder that the Lord says to his saints, Those that die in me shall not taste of death, for it shall be sweet unto them. Is it any wonder that the prophet Joseph Smith said such things as, When men are prepared, they are better off to go hence. Those who have died in Jesus Christ may expect to enter into all that fruition of joy when they come forth, which they possessed or anticipated here. 
In the resurrection, some are raised to be angels, others are raised to become gods. Now we do not seek death, though it is part of the merciful plan of the great creator. Rather, we rejoice in life and desire to live as long as we can be of service to our fellow men. Faithful saints are a leaven of righteousness in a wicked world. But sometimes the Lord's people are hounded and persecuted. Sometimes he deliberately lets his saints linger and suffer in both body and spirit to prove them in all things and to see if they will abide in his covenant even unto death, that they may be found worthy of eternal life. If such be the lot of any of us, so be it. But come what come may, anything that befalls us here in mortality is but for a small moment. And if we are true and faithful, God will eventually exalt us on high. All our losses and sufferings will be made up to us in the resurrection. We shall be raised from mortality to immortality, from corruption to incorruption. We shall come forth from the grave in physical perfection. Not a hair of the head shall be lost, and God shall wipe away all tears. If we have lived the gospel... We shall come forth with celestial bodies, which are prepared to stand the glory of a celestial kingdom. We shall continue to live in the family unit, and as Joseph Smith said, that same sociality which exists among us here will exist among us there, only it will be coupled with eternal glory, which glory we do not now enjoy. We rejoice in life, we rejoice in death, we have no desires except to do the will of him whose we are and to dwell with him in his kingdom at the appointed time. Oh, that it might be with each of us as it was with that valiant apostle of old who said, as the hour of his death approached, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. We need to die. Physical death has to happen. It's hard, but when you read in the scriptures, it goes from my of scriptures that Adam died. Um, Jesus Christ died. Um, all the prophets died. Um, family members died. But we will see them again. It's not easy to see a family member die. It's not easy. But we will see them. 
Because when Jesus Christ died, he resurrected. Um, he changed that. But we have to die. That's part of the plan. But each talk I give you, the other one was by, the other one I did, the last one I did, it's called The the Dead Who Die in the Lord by Elder Bruce O'McConkie. We have to die. It's part of the, the two talks I just showed with you. Um, this is on the church my the church website. It's called Fiscal Death. Um, the Church of Jesus Christ dot O R G. We have to die. It's part of the plan. Um, I'm sorry that happened to everybody this time of year, but it has. It needs to be. It has to happen. It ha- it is a needful thing. I hope you guys enjoy your week. Um, enjoy your day. I love you. Have a nice night. Bye-bye.